talk to you about something today that to me is overwhelming. It feels so daunting. It's a word that really defines everything. It not only uh, defines your future, but, but it defines your past. It, it's not only what, what is, but it really shapes what goes on in the future. And depending on how you understand this word and incorporate it in your life will determine how everything in your life works. You might think, Pastor Dennis, you're building this up way too big. I'm not. It's that big. What it means is this. If you strive and don't have this word figured out, you will be, you will be frustrated. If you work and work and work and don't have this word figured out, you're going to come home tired and exhausted and wonder what it's worth. If you love and put effort into relationships and yet don't have this word figured out, you'll come away completely unfulfilled. It's a simple word, but it's big. It's why. Everything else in your life is defined by that word. Depending on how you define why will depend, d- define everything else. It'll define what you do and where you do it and who you do it with and how often and when. Everything grows out of the definition of that word. Every journey, every failure, every joy, every future thought. Why do you press on when everything thing's lost? Why do you put the effort in? Why do you do this and do that and don't do this and don't do that? Why? Everything is built on that one word. If you don't have that figured out, then fear will overtake you. And you'll be paralyzed in your decisions. You'll be hesitant to move. And you'll walk through life and wonder, why doesn't it add up? It's because you haven't figured out that why. And if your why isn't big enough to cover every disappointment, then any disappointment will trip you up and make you stumble and take the life right out of you. Here's the thing. God has so much more than you've ever even experienced yet. And some of you have lived some amazing lives. And as I talk to you, sometimes I'm standing there in awe and, and, and a really a spiritual holy envy because I want to be like you are because you figured this out. And I can tell because it animates through everything you say and the way you describe even what to some people may be mundane, normal events have meaning that, that extends beyond that because you know the why. I run into people and I talk to people everywhere I go. It could be at Lion and, and Walmart or Kohl's or anywhere. As I talk to them, I can tell if they've got this figured out or not. I can tell. Some of them, they just don't. Some of them, they continue to be shaped by their past because they don't know the why. It's as if their past is crowding into their present and determining their future and it doesn't have to. My point to you is this, that you are not your past and you're not your shame and you're none of those things. But until you have this settled, you will be those things. I want to show you a video, video clip that might help frame this a little bit. I found this on, on YouTube and it, I was amazed at people's answers. Just watch this with me. <clears throat> All right, 
right, so what are some words that you feel you would use to describe God? Words to describe God. Um, they can be anything, whatever you think. You can go first. You go first. Uh, he's Lord. One source, I guess, of energy. It's really hard when, when somebody asks you, you try to come up with stuff. Oh, well, the first word that popped in my head was loving. Uh, I guess that's kind of cheesy. Or heavenly, I don't know. Visibly seen every day, but never recognized as much as it should be. I'm losing track of what the question was, but can you repeat the question again? Uh, yeah, what are the words or ideas that you feel like best describe who God is? God is another thing you just call nature, I'd say. Pretty much everything good that could be about him is what I think you I suppose just something you can count on be there for you all the time. What do you think the characteristics of God are? Definitely like uh, uh, I would say grace. Definitely grace. What do you think God thinks about the world? What the world sad. today? Sad. Sadness and sadness. Definitely. Well, I sadness. think he would think there's a lot of good. I believe that he is a bit disappointed. What do you think God thinks or believes about the world? Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> I just thought of one word. I just thought beautiful, I guess. Even though we might do things that aren't so beautiful. So what do you think God thinks about you? What do you think God thinks about you? Uh, probably on the hot mess. He would say that we're trying. I think he does look at us with a lot of grace that we can't quite understand. Would you fill out one of these? And I'm just going to throw it in this box. It'll be totally anonymous because your name's not going to be on it. But, like, I wish God knew. I wish God was born. Those people wrote down some questions we'll talk about in a minute. But if you didn't catch all those words they said when they were asked to describe God, it's almost like everybody was... Caught short. Not sure what to say. They said, Lord. One guy said, uh, one source of energy. Somebody else said, loving, heavenly. Visibly seen every day, yet unseen. Another word for nature. Everything good. Something you can count on to be there for you. They talked about his different characteristics. You know, they mentioned grace. And what does he think about the world? They said sadness or disappointed or sees lots of good or beautiful. And then when they got right to the main point. What what does he think about you? He said, well, I think he thinks I'm trying. And then a lot of them said, I think he looks at us with a lot of grace. Here's the thing. If you're unsure what he thinks of you, or you don't know, or you're a little bit wishy-washy about that, here's the problem. If he's not your why and you don't have that figured out, then that means that your why is going to be really weak. And if your definition of God and what he thinks of you is, is maybe a God that sits there and, and maybe punishes people for things they're not doing right. Maybe you see evil in the world and think, possibly that's God getting back at people because they deserved it. Then your why is going to be about this big. If, if that's what you think and you think that, that maybe he's really unhappy with you and you don't measure up, then your why is going to be really tiny. It's going to define everything. If maybe something happens in the world and, and your answer to it is, is something like, well, everything happens for a reason and subtly in there is God has a reason for it. He caused it and we don't really fully understand it all. And if we did, we could make sense of it. Your why is going to be small. Because your idea of who he is and what he thinks about you shapes everything about what you do with life. 
it's really sad because it distorts who he is and it distorts what he thinks about you. The thing is, if you think that God is this person and you've got to have him completely figure out and, and you've got to understand how every T gets crossed and I dotted, and if that's how you see the world, that you're not going to fully trust him until you know every detail, then you're going to be really hesitant when it comes to him and your why is going to be really tiny. If you're worried that you don't measure up, and really, seriously, who does measure up? But if you keep thinking about that over and over, and every time your concept of him, because even if you don't believe in him, you still probably think he's perfect and you know you're not, then instead of your why being really big, your why is going to be tiny, and you're probably going to try to hide from him. The thing is, when it comes right down to it, what none of them said And I don't know if you were doing this, but I did it as I watched that video, and I've watched it. You only saw it once. I've seen it, I don't know, 10 times this week. Kept thinking, isn't anybody going to say love? Not one of them said love. You know what that tells me? They don't know him. They don't know him because God is love. That's who he is. That's the very definition of his essence and his being. And the thing about his love is... You know, I understand the problem. The problem is that we as human beings, we become very selective with who we give our love to. Now, most people, you know, when you're younger, you, you, maybe you've seen this happen where a child is just so trusting and knowing because maybe they're raised in an environment that's that way. And they'll walk up to pure strangers and, and you as a parent, you want to teach them some discernment about who's safe, who's not. And strangers can't always be safe. And they might wander up to a big dog because they've seen maybe Clifford the Big Rag Dog on TV or maybe their own dog is super friendly. And you want to warn them because you know not every dog is like that. And as we grow older, that's how we become, and we become a little bit limited and a little bit hesitant. And we start to filter our love out to people, and it's, it's no wonder that we then do the same thing when we define God's love, because we're so limited in how we define God at all. We always put our human characteristics on him, and it makes sense then that we would start to filter down his love toward us based on that, or based on something that's going on in our world or in our life. And we might start to think that his love is limited like ours. Or that you have to earn his love like we earn each other's. And I know we don't want to be like that, but if we could be real transparent and honest today, the fact is you're more, you're more, it's more probable you're going to give more love to those who are nicer to you or return it to you or do what you want or encourage you or who when you're around them it makes you feel better. See, the thing is about him, his love's not like that. His love isn't something you earn. In fact, in fact, you couldn't coerce more love out of him. There's nothing you could do to earn more love or to get him to love you more. The fact is he loves you even when you don't do what he wants you to do. And when you haven't earned it, he still loves you. Doesn't that bend your mind a little bit? Because that's not how we are, and it's hard to see him how he is because we just can't help but filter who he is through how we know we are. The thing about it is, I wonder what our life would look like if, if these truths about God, about what God thought of you, was your why. I know that's kind of wordy. What I want you to do is I want you to start expanding your why based on how God really is and who he really is. Let's take a quick look at some scriptures here. This goes way, way back to the garden in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. 
When the cool of the evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. I wish we could stop the verse right there. You know why? Because that's how it was. That's how it was before they sinned. That's how it was before, you know, they ate the apple and then felt the need to hide from him. The sad thing is we live in this reality because we constantly feel the need to hide from him. Because we constantly are aware of our shortcomings and our sin. And, and the fact of that means that our why gets smaller and smaller and smaller. What I want you to see in this verse is the way God intended it to be is like this. He wants to be with you. I mean, let's think about this for a minute. You, you don't take walks with people you don't want to be with, right? You don't. You, you choose who you're going to be around especially in this kind of an atmosphere. But in the beginning, what God wanted is a relationship with you, and he wanted to be with you. He wanted to spend time with you. And if we could, someday we'll be able to do this again in heaven, but, but until then, the way we do it now is, is here on earth, and it'll always be filtered through our why. But your why should start to grow a little bit today, thinking that there's a God in heaven who created you just to be with you. This blows my mind. It blows my mind because I don't feel like I'm worth that. I don't feel like normal people should want that, let alone God of the universe, the perfect God of everything. But that's the reality. And you need to let that reality start to shape your why. Maybe, maybe for you, you think, well, that may be true for spiritual people or more perfect people. Or maybe you have a praying grandma who, who you could see God wanting to spend time with, but not you. Maybe you think of somebody really important or really holy or somebody like that, and you think maybe it's true for them but not for you. The fact is, God wants that with you. Let's look at some other things. This, this verse comes out of a section of Scripture that, that shows Jesus' humanity, and it shows his human relationships with, with normal people. I hesitated to say normal because, I mean, who's really Normal. But in this story, what had happened was we, we get a picture into Jesus' personal life here because we know he traveled publicly and preached and we know he healed people he didn't really know and he, he challenged Pharisees who he didn't really know and he, he called Zacchaeus out of a tree and didn't really know him and he, we know all that. But the people that this verse is talking about were his friends. Wouldn't it have been cool to just be Jesus' friend? I mean... It's his friend. Jesus and his disciples, they get word that his friend says, friend, Lazarus is sick. And Jesus hesitates. And he does it on purpose. We, we see the rest of the story, you see. That's not, that's not the point today. The point is these were his friends. And when he did show up and Lazarus had already passed away, Lazarus' two sisters, his friends, first Mary, then Martha, both come up to him. And they say, Jesus, your friend needed you. And they're mourning. And in the process of that mourning and as Jesus is struck by their misunderstanding and the fact that even though he was their friend and he said, Martha, don't you believe in the resurrection? I mean, it's like he's telegraphing what he's going to do. It's almost like he's whispering, Martha, I'm going to raise him from the dead in a minute here. Hang with me a minute. You're my friend. You know me. And Martha says, if only you'd have been here kind of pointing the finger in his face, and he weeps. That's 
That's the God we serve. And the people around, they said, see how much he loved him. And of course he loved him. But that's the Jesus we serve. He's a, he's, a, he's a God who identifies with your joy and your pain and your hopes and your dreams. Sometimes it's easy to question that because a lot of times we define him and our why gets defined by our circumstances in life and things aren't working out or maybe it's something you trusted in and it's not happening or maybe there's a healing that's not coming or maybe there's a relationship that's falling apart and everything you do, you can't seem to fix it. And you start to let that define, and you, you start to think, does God even know what's going on? Yes, he knows. Not only does he knows, but, but your pain brings him pain. Some of you may be theologians and say, hold on, I don't think God can experience pain. You know what? He can. He has emotions. When he created us in his image, he created us in, in, in a way, and obviously imperfectly, but I mean, his... Emotions are similar to ours. Just like your child hurts, you hurt. How many of times have you even said or maybe thought, if I could take this away from them, I would? Whether it's a physical ailment or, or maybe that first breakup and, and you, you walk with them through that. And it hurts your heart because you know their heart is hurting. That's our God. He's personal like that. And he cares for you like that. And he walks with you through each one of those ups and downs. And if that's your why, if that's your why that you know he cares, guess what? Your what is going to change. And your when you talk to him is going to change. You're going to run to him, not be mad at him. You're going to run to him and tell him all about it because you know he cares. You're not going to hide from him because that why defines why do, I, why do I run to him? Because I know he loves me. Why do I tell everybody about it? Because I know he loves me. People are going to ask, why do they mourn different than we mourn? Why? Because we have hope in someone who loves us and cares for us and comforts us through the heart hurting times. Why do you tell people about him? Because you want to share this. You want to share this God who's like that. Because he's different than anybody you've ever heard of. He cares. He loves. He experiences that with you. A couple of verses about that. In Romans 5.8, Paul says, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And it doesn't end there. It says, And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. You know what that tells me about him? That he loves you apart from your performance. I know that there's some good people in this room. Better than me. I know that. But I want you to know he loves you even as good as you are. And he loves you when you don't measure up. And he loves you today and he loved you yesterday, and he'll love you tomorrow. His love is not conditional. It doesn't change. None of that changes. It's his nature. It's who he is. We, it's, it's funny, too, because sometimes we get the idea, well, he, he probably knew we'd turn on a right, so that's why he loves us. No, it's not true. He loved you in any way. He loved you when you weren't following him. That's what that Romans 5, 8 said. While we were still sinners, he loved us. While we were still sinners, he loved us. 
What that means is when you didn't even think about him and know about him, he was loving you. And he was caring about you. And he was there. And sometimes, I know you you feel like you've created this huge chasm between you and him and there's no way you can get back. And the fact is, he loved you enough to make a way for you to to get back to him. Not only did he love you in your sin, but then he made a way, he loved you enough to pay for your sin in advance so that that would be taken care of. That nothing you could do would separate you from him. And that he sent his own son to die. And that why should frame and drive everything that you do. I look at it like this. It's, it's grace and truth. And it never, ever leaves us the same. You know, we had that speaker last week, Drew, Drew Berryessa, and we were talking about, um, he was talking about grace. And this was, this was in a, a small group. We were talking about this. And have you noticed that the whole world needs grace so desperately that they're willing to sacrifice anything for that sense of community? Any morals, any rules, any standards, because they need community so badly. You know what's, what's interesting about that is that Christ provides that grace. He provides that, that unconditional acceptance for you. He loves you so much, and he accepts you just as you are. He takes us just as we are. Now, we struggle with that. I mean, we, you know how it is. We, you have your own people. Dress like you, act like you, talk like you, same vocabulary as you. And then when you're outside of that, it's a little more difficult because you feel like you're out of your element. Well, I'm not sure I belong or I don't, I don't belong here or they don't belong with me. And, and our grace only extends so far, but his isn't like that. But then it doesn't stop there. And here's the beauty of it all. Grace and acceptance is awesome and it's how it should be. But he doesn't love you and then leave you the same. It's that he loves you too much to leave you the same. Yes, he accepts you how you are, but then he takes you and his grace and love transforms you with the truth and he changes you and you're never, ever, ever the same again. That's the beauty of it. It doesn't stop with just the acceptance and the community. What ends up happening then is the community changes you and transforms you into something new. I've heard it said this way. You don't, you don't clean fish before you catch them, <laughs> Right? We have all these standards. We want people to look a certain way, act a certain way, talk a certain way. But he says, bring them to me and I'll take care of that. That's who he is. And he does it with us and it doesn't stop. He keeps doing it with us. Because I, I know some of us, you know, we've been Christians for a long time, maybe following Christ for a long time. And, and uh, I was thinking about that song that, that, you know, they used to do at the Billy Graham crusade. Do you know what song I'm talking about? Just as I am without one plea. Remember that? I was drawn to it, and I just started looking at the words. But that thy blood was shed for me, that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. He, he calls to us with his grace. Just as I am, though tossed about, with many a conflict, many a doubt. Did you think you had all that, have it all figured out before you came? You don't. Fighting and fears within, without, O Lamb of God, I come. Just as I am and waiting not to rid my soul of one dark blot. To thee whose blood can cleanse each spot, O Lamb of God, I come. This, this next stanza really blew me away. Just as I am poor, wretched, blind. Sight, riches, healing of the mind. Yes, all I need in thee to find, O Lamb of God, I come. <laughs> the thing is... Us changing and becoming different isn't what he requires before we come. It's, it's a byproduct of coming to him. 
And as you come to him and know him, that why changes everything. It used to be the why was just to, to, to take care of yourself and to do what you wanted. But when the why is unconditional transformational love, then that changes everything you do. And then that why defines everything, not only the how you behave and treat other people, the what you do for them, the when you do it, all of that changes because it's based on that why. It changes everything. And I was thinking about Romans 8, 28, and, and when we know that God causes, uh, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those that love God and are called according to his, his purpose for them, and when that's your why, you see the world completely differently. When that's the why, you're not taken aback by, by bad things that happen because you know he's going to turn that into something good. And he takes your incredible mistakes and, he, and he, he, he takes it and he restores relationships and he heals and he, he shows you things in his word and he moves and he does things that just blow you away. <laughs> for some of you, maybe you think, well, God's a little too busy for that because, you know, he's got a lot going on. There's a lot of people with needs. You know, my things aren't that big a deal. You know what that tells me? Your wife's too little. You don't understand that, that for him, you are the most important person in the world. And because he's God, he can treat each of us as an, as a, as an individual of surpassing, exceeding worth. And he can, be, he can be completely captivated with every issue you have. And you have, and you have, and you have, and you have. And for us, it's too much. And if it's too much, your why is too small. But if you understand that and that he becomes that big, then everything changes. Everything changes. I love this too. God is creatively orchestrating people and circumstances to express his love to everybody around. It's what he does. His love is so expansive. If we could only get around it in our minds how big it is, then it would change everything about how you respond to everybody. If I could have the worship team join me up here. When you start to see that not only is his love this big, but, but that his good, your good, welfare is what he wants. Look at, look at Ephesians. This, these verses just, again, are mind-blowing. This is Paul. He's, he's kind of praying for the people in Ephesus to get this concept of God. He says, and, and may you have the power to understand. Sometimes we need to God's help to under, even understand this. He says, may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully, that you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we could ask or think. If that's your why, then any what is possible. You see the difference there? You would have faith for any what. You would have faith for any who. And you would reach out to any who because you would know it's not just for you. You would see it goes beyond just you and you would want to share that with everybody you come in contact with. Look at John 13, 34 and 35. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other for <clears throat> your love for one another will prove the world that you are my disciples. I think that order is significant because we're supposed to give it away. Not only are you supposed to understand it for yourself, but you're supposed to give it away. It's never meant for just you. 
you'd shut your eyes for just a minute in the room here. If I could just, I do this, I just ask people to shut your eyes sometimes just to give them a, a sense of, a sense of just solitude in a, in a room full of people, a sense of privacy. I'm trying to expand your why today. And you may know kind of on a mental level that God does love you and he loves all of us equally, but I bet if I were to ask that some of us in the room may not feel loved. Some do. But some of you probably walk around with just maybe a little tiny why, just a spoonful, of that, a spoonful of that sense of his love. And if that's true, then your why is going to be just a spoonful of why. On the other hand, if your tank is full and you feel and sense and know and have that reassurance that he loves you, then there is no what that could contain you. There is no who you wouldn't want to share it with. I want to ask a question of you. This is rhetorical. You don't have to raise your hand. Just with your eyes closed. Do you have that assurance that God loves you? Do you have that assurance that he loves you? If so, he becomes the why of everything in your life. And your whole life will be defined through that. Somebody might ask, why are you happy in the middle of struggle? Because your why is really big. Someone might ask you, why? Why are, are you... Do you have faith that even though your job is collapsing, that your God will take care of you? It's because your why is really big. This is a real question, though. So maybe somebody here just needs some expanding of that why for them today. Anybody at all? You feel like you need God to just expand that for you? Maybe everything I've been saying you, you, you agree with, but you need it expanded in your heart and mind. Anybody at all? Just raise your hand for a minute. We just want to spend some time praying with you. Let me ask another question. And this is, a, this is really an eternal, probably the most important question we ever ask. And I'm wondering if anybody in the room here today, maybe as we've described this God, and maybe for you, you've never really given your life to him, or maybe you've never really considered following him before. But if all that I said is true, and maybe in your heart you just even have sensed a, maybe a burning or a kind of nervousness and you you know that you need to give your life to him today anybody here like that just raise your hand real quick and we could pray with you all right i'm going to ask you to all stand with us i'm going to close this in prayer in a minute but i would love if our pastors and their wives and and uh board and wives and prayer team wives if you guys could come on down and we want to just take a moment and pray for you for any need you have maybe for you it's expanding that why just a little bit that maybe you've you've needed some growth in that assurance that he loves you maybe you've got something you're struggling with and carrying and you don't want to carry it alone anymore and you want to share that maybe it's something that you just you, you don't want to even voice but you just want someone to pray for you we would love to pray for you for just a moment as the worship team leads us and then I'll close us in prayer in a second.